know, Jamar Chase has been dropping the ball all preseason. Fuck that. Like, 50-yard bomb for the touchdown. <laughs> like, let's, let's go and get the fans absolutely raving. Like, So hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. Week one is in the books. A lot has happened, and to be honest, I think a few things we weren't expecting. So hey, we got Connor here, we've got Ronan. Hello. And we got Sean. Hello. How are we getting on, guys? Happy to have football back. How was your first weekend? Yeah, full of football. Yeah, I watched, uh, I think, five games in total. Um, over the last three days, so wow, I'd still not football out. I was the the enthusiasm. I think the the overtime of the Ravens Raiders game, which was the fifth game I watched, the enthusiasm kind of was rekindled by how utterly insane. The was. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Sean, like, Sean grinding that tape, you know, getting those extra <laughs> insightful insights, you know, just making sure that we're on top of our game in this podcast this week. No, that's it, that's it. Look yeah, at him yeah, yeah. take. Taking his job seriously and having a microphone, it's almost like we're professionals. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking over this podcast. Yeah. But yeah, no, it was, uh, it was an exciting weekend to have it back. Uh, do you guys get up too much down in Cork? Apart from that, did you just meet up for the game? Did you just watch it separate? How did you get on? It was separate here, I think. No, I didn't. So. Yes, I mean, still COVID and stuff. Can't be sure about what's out there. But, uh, yeah. uh, fair enough. The weather has turned pretty shitty as well the last few days, so. Yeah, it turned it turned here. It went very nice now this morning, and then it's gone back to being crap. So we'll uh, we'll see how that goes for us. Um, yeah, I'm trying to figure out. We've also decided that we're going to go on tour. All of us are going to go over to the uh, to the to the game now. I will say that's something that's concerning me a little bit after week one. It might be a really terrible game of football we're going over to see. Uh, well, it's Dolphins, yes. Dolphins, Jags, isn't it? Yeah, the Dolphins should be good. Do- Dolphins are goodish. Yeah, we'll see. Jags we'll look see. terrible. But yeah, we'll, 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 we'll see how the uh, how the Jags experiment is looking later on. But, it's, uh, it's not about the quality of the game, it's about the quality of the friendships you find along the way. Right? That's true, that's true. <laughs> and uh, we'll make loads of those. Uh, where everyone bonds over how shit the game they're watching in the rain is. Um, I suppose we should move on to the news, uh, as we've got games and previews and reviews and questions to get to this week. Um so, big news, uh, extensions-wise, Pittsburgh have extended uh, pass rusher TJ Watt four years, $112 million, with $80 million guaranteed. Makes him, I think, a pr- is he the highest player now at that position? He is, isn't he? He's the highest play- paid defensive player overall. Yeah, yeah, that's it. On a so, per-year basis. So, he's uh, an untypical Watt style. It seems he hasn't lost his brother's flair for the fucking media pageantry of it all the story goes that he marched into the owner's office and uh, even though his agent said he could get more money and said no i just want the deal done let's do it now and then left saying he had practice to get to which i do not for a fucking second believe happened <laughs> like it's yeah, a good-, good piece of business for for the steelers they've um, he's re- kind of reaching the the peak of his powers now you can see he's kind of really coming to be the main guy on that defense and he will be for a few years to come so they've done he's like the centerpiece of what is still a pretty damn good defense on the Steelers side it is a good piece of business all around I think yeah no no makes sense and I think like you said they've got the kind of production out of him that warrants this type of contract uh and it's even at that only 80 million of it is guaranteed so it is the kind of thing that they can presumably get out of it if it's not going great towards the tail end yeah and don't forget that Big Ben his contract this year is 
okay-ish. And they'll probably soon be looking at a rookie quarterback, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe there's a possibility to trade for someone, but I see them more as a team that's more likely to go down that route. And in that case, they should have you know plenty of money to throw around and the cap should increase. So I think locking in one of the stars of your defense and certainly someone with who would you know create a lot of interest if you even get near the market it makes sense to just lock this up have this down safe and then you can start to plan around the rest of your roster going forward yeah of course and new orleans also locked down quarterback marshall Lattimore, five years 97.6 million 44 million guaranteed which we all know means it's actually a two-year 44 million guaranteed contract and everything beyond that is theoretical he's been hurt in the game with green bay so he's a thumb injury so he's now considered week to week but this is a defense that needs its players to step up and we'll discuss in the reviews played surprisingly well uh in 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 this game uh and that seems a fair price to pay particularly given that they're essentially only signing a two-year contract with them um yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty nice setup for New Orleans, I think, particularly given that they won't be paying a huge amount, as we mentioned for the previous ones, at the quarterback position for the moment. Yeah, so like, there's a couple of interesting things. Obviously, he got hurt immediately in the game after this. He's only week to week, but he did have surgery on his thumb. But, uh, you know, just something to keep an eye on in terms of his efficacy this season. And I think there is some legal issues overhanging him, but maybe... The Saints and himself are convinced that, that that isn't really a major thing. But I imagine that just to be safe, the Saints probably have contractual language ensuring that if he misses time because of his own mistakes, that they won't end up uh, carrying the bag for that. But look, for a, like a terms of his actual play on the field, he's been one of the best like top five corners for the last few seasons. So it makes complete sense to lock him up and uh, make sure he continues to be part of a, a team which really right now is going through somewhat of a rebuild, albeit uh, early signs are that it won't take too long to get back to form. Mm. Uh, New Orleans have also traded a 2022 third round pick and a 2023 sixth round pick to pick up Bradley Roby from Houston. Uh, Roby, I think, was ex of the Denver Broncos prior to this as moving across mm. Houston's roster, getting more depleted, yet somehow, as we'll discuss in a bit, winning a game. Um, New Orleans add a bit of depth to that cornerback room. This will probably help with Lattimore missing a few games as well as just a bit of rotational piece for them. Uh, he was good a few years back. I don't really... I don't remember much of him last year at all. Uh, has he got much left in the tank? I think in terms of the cost that they paid, it made sense to kind of bring in someone like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had, they've had they had injuries in the defensive backfield. Obviously, as I mentioned, Lattimore, in theory, there were issues over his uh, potential suspensions or, or stuff like that. But uh, obviously, given the contract, maybe that's off the table now. But uh, for this price, I think picking up a veteran and, um, and seeing what he can do makes sense. Uh, he was fine for Houston last year. And I believe he has played in the slot earlier in his career, so he has he that did, flexibility. Yeah, yeah. Um, so overall, I think it's a, you know, for a team that, that obviously there's a lot of holes in their defense in theory, um, it made sense to pick someone like this up and uh, see how he works out. Yeah. Uh, we've had a fairly light week in terms of crime and punishment. Uh, Dallas's offensive line are going to have some more trouble. So they were missing Zach Martin in the opener, and now they're going to be missing Lyle Collins for five games under the substance abuse policy. Uh, so he's gone for a bit, which is presumably not going to help the what many are saying was a rather uh, meek looking rushing attack from the uh, from the Dallas Cowboys last week although they were up against the last year's top uh, defensive team against the run um, but yeah this is obviously going to have a knock-on effect that said uh, the quarterback play out of Dak was looking very well and hopefully they'll be able to, to, to work around it but yeah five 
games there for Lyle Collins. The big one that we had this week is, as, as is nearly always the case, first week back, we're going to have a lot of injuries, and some of these are going to really impact uh, expectations for teams. Washington football team, your uh, your hype babies for this year, uh, Ronan, uh Fitzmagic is gone, hip injury, he's gone for six to eight months, he's gone for the year, so that puts quite a dampener on them. Baltimore had a terrible pre-season uh, injury, or sorry, practice injury before the uh, week one game. Gus Edwards tore his ACL and has gone for the season, and then in the, the following play, cornerback Marcus Peters also tore his ACL and has gone for the season. San Francisco lost Jason Verrett, their corner, so they've signed Drake Patrick. Raheem Mostert has chipped his knee cartilage and has gone for eight weeks, but once again, with them, it's just another one of the 12 running backs that they have will step up and score two touchdowns um, the Jets lost Mekdi Becton it's only an MCL sprain so it's only one month whereas I think previously they were expecting it to be a season and uh, LaMarcus Joyner their safety has gone for the season with a pec injury and Detroit's cornerback Jeff Okuda has torn his Achilles and he's gone for the season and in slightly lighter ones uh, Denver wide receiver Jerry Judy who was trending quite well has a high ankle sprain so he's anywhere from two days to six months uh, but realistically two to six weeks is what the doctors will put on a high ankle sprain so obviously the biggest impact here is uh, Fitz magic being gone for Washington it means that they're back sifting through this kind of collection of second and third year rookies and previously highly drafted yet collapsed uh, you know never were beans uh, at quarterback so what do we expect well, like Tyler Heineke's going to take them all the way well look like Taylor Heineke he's only played you know two and a half games I think his entire career but one of them was against the Super Bowl winning Tampa Bay Buccaneers and he didn't look out of place during that playoff game last season. Uh, he was didn't look out of place when he took over from Fitzmagic against the Chargers. He didn't have quite enough to overcome the Chargers, but he didn't look out of place. He looked fine. And like he's kind of an interesting kind of story because he's, he's 28, so he's been around a while, kind of been on a bunch of practice squads. I think before um, he came back, I think he was starting to take like maths classes in, uh, in college, basically again. Uh, before he came back to the NFL, he's been in the XFL, so he's basically been all around the, your classic journeyman. But overall, in terms of what we've seen on actual tape so far, he's been fine. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see if he ends up um, looking okay, or whether the Washington team ends up having to look elsewhere. I think his backup is Kyle Allen, um, who also looked okay in the first few games he played before getting shown up. Uh, but yeah, it's not a situation that you would like to see. We obviously kind of know what you're getting for the Magic, getting someone who can win games in the NFL, uh, albeit uh, maybe it's a tendency to turn the ball over. But with Taylor Heineke, they definitely have someone who um, I wouldn't you know, just throw away as being uh, a complete disaster for the rest of their season. He's just someone we just know very little about, but uh, has done enough to intrigue us um, about his potential. Yeah, just get Alex Smith back out of the booth then and, uh, and, and re-sign him. <laughs> uh, Sean Baltimore's woes continue uh, so this is the third running back to go down for the season. Gus Edwards today gone. Marcus Peters that was a very weak, uh, not weak. It was it was a very shallow cornerback pool. I'd say uh, they didn't have much depth there, and this doesn't help them at that. We'll discuss it in more detail about how it knocked onto game plans and all that stuff. But this has been a rough off season for them. Yeah, apparently these two injuries happened in the same training session. And, yeah, back to back. John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh called off the session afterwards not to want to uh you know, <laughs> it can't it can't happen <laughs> it's like they come time. along in threes yeah uh, i mean yeah so it, it's bad news obviously for the ravens and running back they'd already lost jk dobbins justice hill edwards gone as well they kind of dipped into the 
the veteran running back market, uh, Le'Veon Bell, Devonta Freeman has, has come in as well. As we'll talk about in the game, Tyson Williams kind of stepped up and he looks like he could be the answer there. Uh, at cornerback, obviously the Ravens historically have tried to build themselves around explosive um, uh, defense. Uh, I, I don't know how good their depth is. Uh, and certainly, I mean, I don't even know how good their actual team is uh, either, given what happened uh, on Monday night. So it's not great uh, either way. And it, it does suggest, I mean, teams do tend to get injury crises. They do tend to build upon each other. I do wonder if we'll see a few more dropping off. Um, it's obviously, uh, at the moment, they're probably at the, at the edge of viability, but a, a few more losses and they're going to be in a lot of trouble, I would say. Yeah. Um, across the other ones, obviously, the Jets losing an offensive tackle, even just for a month, is huge, given they have the rookie there, which is uh, not great. And, uh, yeah, look, hopefully... This is just the bump in week one when people are getting back to use playing full speed and we won't have as many in future ones. Uh, with that, I suppose we'll move over and look at the games from last week. Okay, so first up we have Dallas at Tampa Bay. Twenty. This is Thursday Night Football, 29-31. to 31. Very exciting stuff. Tom Brady coming out swinging, saying, I might be 44, but I can still play like I'm 24. 374 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions. Neither of the interceptions were actually on him. One was a halftime Hail Mary, and one was a drop ball by the running back for net, I think. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of kind of turnovers, a lot of mistakes. Like, surprise players in this. Antonio Brown coming out of the gate like 120 yards and a touchdown. Gronk still looks incredible. Godwin did well. Uh, but on the other side of the ball, Dak Prescott kind of quietened a lot of the queries that were coming into were coming out about him in the offseason about is his shoulder okay? Is he coming back off that injury correctly? He threw for over 400 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception that I don't put on him. It was a dangerous throw, but it was in the hands of his receiver, and his receiver failed to actually just haul it down. Um but yeah, it was weird to see a Dallas team that just moved away entirely from the run game. Zeke had only 33 yards or so. And I get that this is a tough defense to run on and that they had, with the injury to one of the cornerbacks, they had the kind of matchups they wanted in the air and they were getting success there. But um, yeah, like it's it was a good performance from Dallas, uh, a very strong performance from the defending Super Bowl champions. Uh what do we take out of this? Like, realistically, my take is both these teams are pretty good and I expect them to do pretty well. And I don't think the NFC East is going to be as close as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I mean, the Cowboys the, the Cowboys were better than I thought they would be, especially offensively. I think a lot of that was kind of strategy that they knew which parts of the, the Buccaneers' defense to target and which parts to avoid. They kind of st- st- stayed away from their run game in the front seven because that's where the strengths are and they kind of targeted the the secondary, which has had a few injuries and relying on backups and doesn't have the kind of depth. Jamel Dean particularly struggled against what was coming up. So it was good strat- strategy on the point of the Cowboys and kind of kept them in the game. Their defense, I'm not convinced that this defense is actually any good. Um, they're, they're still good at turnovers and they got a couple of kind of Im- turnovers at important points in the game. But the secondary in particular for the Cowboys is absolutely terrible. Um, really was a mistake not to draft a cornerback or, or kind of dip into the free agent market to see if they could improve there. There was They did kind of improve in the second half, I thought. I mean, I think Dan Quinn, we can see his influence already. He is able, once he's back now into his comfort zone of being a defensive coordinator, I kind of feel like he's he's in a better position than the, those horrible years at Atlanta, barring that, that one good year that ended up horribly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Dallas, I, I mean, I... 
there's a certain extent to which I thought the Bucks were coasting in this game, that they always felt that they could win and it was only when the thing kind of got close and it looked like they might not get away with it and they kind of were behind late on that Brady decided, okay, I'm going to have to start to, to pull out the big guns here. And especially the front seven kind of woke up an awful lot near the end when it was time to actually kind of start pressuring and get the game uh, moving. So I don't think we really know how good either of these two teams are uh, really, we know that the Cowboys are capable of being a lot better than they were last season, but I still think their defense is going to get picked off by better teams. And the Bucks, I mean, there there are questions of depth. I mean, they think they have a very good kind of starting 11 on both sides of the ball, but I do wonder about depth and if they start to run into injuries and uh, the such like. So, I mean, interesting, but I don't think we really learned an awful lot about either of these two teams. Yeah, but I think like the one thing that we learned about the Cowboys is that like Dak Prescott looks like Dak Prescott. I think if you're a Cowboys fan, that's a huge, you know, relief to see. Now, obviously, you don't want him throwing like uh, 58 times in the game. Uh, that's probably not a, 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 you know, formula for success. But I think, as you said, Connor, um, there were kind of strategic reasons why you don't run on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They are probably the best run defense in the league right now with Vita Vea and Sue, like basically mm-hmm. blocking things up at the middle. Um, and of course, you know, you also saw that Dak was able to take advantage of the fact that Amari Cooper, CD Lamb, these guys are two basically wide receiver ones and are basically capable of you know making a huge play uh on any time albeit maybe in slightly different ways like amari cooper is more of your kind of classic wide receiver one going down the sideline and kind of just winning one-on-one where cd lamb is kind of your elite yards after the catch guy who if you get the ball into his hands good things happen kind of people like aj brown people like that um so i think that complementary skill set is like really really impressive and like gallup who he wasn't used much but he was solid um, and I said, if that's your third receiver, you're probably doing okay. Um, so I think, yeah, for, for, for the Cowboys, it's all about can they, over the course of this season, find a bit of balance? Because right now, obviously, they didn't have any run game. I think that will probably improve. But I think, as Sean pointed out, the defense really needs to improve. This is a huge test for Dan Quinn, taking a kind of ramshackle defense and turning it into something good. First test was incredibly difficult. Um, but it wasn't the worst performance could have had. You know, they had those turnovers. And yeah, I think for, for Tampa Bay, the main thing that we learned is that the form that we saw from Tom Brady late on last season, where he find where everything seemed to click and the explosive plays were coming thick and fast, that offense is still there, and that makes him an incredibly scary uh, prospect. And the fact that Tom Brady looks better at 44 than he might have looked at 34 is just a ridiculous feat and something that really isn't fair. Or even 24. Um, or even well, he's probably definitely better than he was at 24. But uh, yeah, it's just a situation where um, what he's doing is truly truly impressive and although we've said it like thousands of times in this podcast it is worth reiterating um it'll be interesting to see if that defense can improve as the year goes on uh, with the defensive secondary issues like john murphy bunting i uh, was injured in this but uh, overall yeah. two teams um who will definitely be worth watching uh, every sunday yeah like the, the the only major thing i could see from it that they need to adjust is just trade some of those fucking linebackers stop running two sets of linebackers in and out on alternating sets like it's just it, it, it it's a waste of time like they just need to trade some of them. They've got too many people there, and it's going to just get messy. Uh, next up, Cleveland at Kansas City, 29-33. to 33. Uh, This was a very exciting game that went all the way down to the last minute. Baker had 321 yards in the interception. He came up short on the final drive, throwing an interception as he was getting quite heavily pressured out of the pocket. Uh, Mahomes had a lovely game, particularly in the second half, 337 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, they were down by 12 points at halftime, uh, and basically Cleveland did what a team is meant to do 
to defeat the Chiefs, which is they ran it a lot, they ate the clock, they dominated time of possessions, they made sure that they had one more possession than the Chiefs had. It was 9-8, to eight, which is a very low amount. But still, Hill nearly 200 yards and a touchdown. Kelsey, 76 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Jones moving all over the shop at defensive end, getting a lot of pressure up the middle. Um, it was it was great to watch. Even Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had some nice plays in this game, although they didn't lean too much on the run game, I think because maybe the deficit that they were facing early on. Um, yeah, it was, it was an impressive game for both sides. I liked some of the defensive stuff that Kansas City were throwing out there, particularly given that they were missing Tyrion Matthew, um, Gay, and they were also missing Frank Clark. So three of their largest playmakers uh, on, 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 on defense were gone. They were still able to kind of pull this performance out, which was pretty good. But this is a Cleveland team that definitely has the skill and uh, were very close to actually being able to get all the way back into this one so it was uh, an impressive performance from them definitely something I would expect to see them in the playoffs on and the Chiefs looked a little bit slow to start in the first kind of quarter or so but then once they got rolling it went back to very classic form I think the the drive that was just a single play for a 70 yard touchdown is uh, is kind of indicative of what the what the risk is when you're playing this team yeah I think the only big concern you would have as a Cleveland Browns fan is just that they run such an efficient offense. They run the ball, run the ball really well. You know, nearly six yards a carry. Um, they have a pretty effective set of wide receivers. You had some nice plays from Jarvis Landry and some of the uh, young guys like Schwartz um, had a few plays that were were, were all right. Um, but I think you just see the contrast um, in how what happens when these two teams are behind, um, which is you know which comes down to two factors. One is um, the the lack of explosive plays, and the other is basically just um, like the quarterback in terms of being able to do stuff under pressure because um, you know David Baker Mayfield right now is operating really really well within that um, offensive scheme I think he had some like ridiculous like near perfect QB rating when going off play action but then on the final drive where it's obvious passing downs and he just needed to get the ball out when he was like basically you know and he had to get sacked and um, he threw that interception to Mike Hughes and it just you know that's just not something you would expect Patrick Mahomes to do he would have been able to get out of the pocket run to the sideline throw a 50-yard bomb do all that kind of crap now, obviously, OBJ was not in this game. He was a scratch for, for, for injury reasons. Um, if he comes back, maybe he can add that element, though past experience suggests that you know the relationship between him and Baker hasn't been necessarily the best. Um, and so you really just see like a team like, like we've seen really solid playoff teams like Cleveland before, I think back to like the uh, Kubiak, uh, like Houston teams and stuff like that. And I think, you know, like they were all, always got to the playoffs, they were always solid, but they never were able to kind of take the final leap over the teams that had elite quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes or Peyton Manning back in the day. And I think, you know, what we really need to see over the course of this year is to see Baker Mayfield go from simply being efficient to being explosive, being willing to take those bigger risks, make those bigger plays and to actually, you know, show that the Cleveland Browns can rack up even more points necessarily than they did this game. Because when you get into the playoffs, you're going to face Patrick Mahomes, you're going to face Josh Allen, you're going to face these guys who can turn a game over by themselves. And the Browns, even though they're probably 
top to bottom one of the most talented teams in the league right now and they're a really young team so you have to be really excited here and you saw flashes from David Clowney and Miles Garrett on the defense and I think that's going to definitely be improved it's just yeah once you get once you get to the very tippy top of the table um, we just need to see that little bit more from this team when things get a bit tougher when they go behind um, obviously a very small sample because they were ahead most of this game but uh, just some small concerns there when they get to the playoffs but as you say I'd be shocked if they weren't in the playoffs this season yeah, the, the the kind of the, the phrase that comes to mind here is learning curve. There there's a there's a a challenge for teams at the Browns level about how they make that final step up, and we're seeing the the Browns kind of struggle with that that final the kind of final crest of a wave. Another painful defeat against the Chiefs. Another another lesson learned. I mean, they were very impressive on both sides of the ball for for three three and a half quarters. They played basically perfectly for the majority of this game. But they learned the lesson once again that that's not good enough against the Chiefs. You can't just turn up for 45, 50 minutes. You have to turn up for for all 60. And when you let yourself, and I, I do think there's also kind of a, a psychological aspect, there's a confidence that the Browns were really confident as a, as a team for most of this game. But when they got behind, there was a panic set in. They suddenly believed that they couldn't win and all their kind of good work went away. But I think it, it is important to focus on, on the positives here. I mean, they were efficient and balanced on, on the offense. Their defense was impressive in terms of, of, a kind of its aggressiveness and, and how well it actually made, held in the Chiefs' offense for so long. I thought Baker displayed that maturity that was a kind of a big storyline for him last year in terms of his development as a player. He, he's got, His decision-making is good. Um, his ability to, to kind of do what needs to be done what needs to be done is quite impressive. But they are just that little bit short. And it's very it's best to have learned this lesson in week one this season than to learn it again in, say, the AFC Divisional or the AFC Championship game. They know they can beat this Chiefs team. They just haven't quite figured out how to get over the line at the, at the very end. But they do have the recipe, um, and they know they can if they can just pull out this performance for 60 minutes. On the Chiefs side, I mean, obviously the, the offensive weapons are... As, good as ever Mahomes in particular is still doing his Superman stuff that's quite impressive um, the defense I'm less convinced about I think they did struggle a bit especially the run defense really didn't look up to to scratch it, it's always been a little bit of an Achilles heel um, of this Mahomes Reed Chiefs team is that their defense has not quite been at the level that the offense has been at uh, and it does mean that often the offense has to score a lot more points than maybe that they really should but I mean, these are small concerns. I mean, this is a this was a championship performance. This was a a game that the Chiefs any other ninety nine percent of the time ninety nine percent of teams would have lost this game against the Browns. But the Chiefs found a way to win, and quite and, and ultimately kind of comfortable in the end that they could they could kind of just bat down a, a final drive and kind of take the win um, and not having say kind of last minutes kind of scramble stuff. So I mean lessons learned for the Browns and let's just hope that they get another shot at the Chiefs somewhere in the playoffs and that maybe this time they'll overcome no of course yeah and just they were they were a little bit unlucky as well the Clip Browns because they had those two fumbles one from the punter and one from Chubb I think in the second half and yeah I think it's just <laughs> just you know even one of those goes the other way maybe we'd be having uh, Cleveland Browns hype to the to the start mm. to the moon I still um, got I them just, to the moon. I, I, had, I had the Chiefs winning this game, and I have them then, exactly. and then them beating us in the replay of this game for the AFC Championship. Yeah, and uh, decent early returns on the Chris Jones defensive end experiment. They gave two sacks, so yeah, it was uh, I'm pretty sure nice. you'll be looking forward to more of that. I am indeed, I am indeed. Uh, and particularly once we get the other defensive pieces back in so that I can have more people on the line rather than just him. Uh, Baltimore at Vegas next, uh, 27-33 to 33 in overtime. And that's right, guys, 
The Vegas Raiders beat the Baltimore Ravens. Um, crazy end in overtime. Las Vegas kept pulling back uh, for Baltimore 14-0 early. I, there was a 40-yard field goal try. That was just it was just really all over the shop, just madness. Mistakes on both sides, like interceptions, fumbles, uh, offensive lines not being able to get any push whatsoever. Carr threw for four hundred like God, this is such a car stat line. Isn't it? Threw for four hundred and thirty five yards, two touchdowns and an interception. Like just loads of yards and not a ton coming out the tail end of it. Waller did a lot of the work over a hundred and touchdown. Lamar Look, they said this this year is going to be him being a passer. Didn't really look like it, to be honest. It was a bit hit and miss. Um, he was still good on the run, and I think he's probably putting a lot more on that on himself, given that they're missing pretty much every running back they planned to have this season. Um, but yeah, it was just... This was exciting, but very sloppy from both sides, to be honest. And I would, I would see... Credit where credit's due, I wasn't expecting them to win, but I, I would see Vegas winning this almost as a reflection of mistakes and personnel issues being faced by the Ravens than necessarily Vegas having turned some big corner. But then again, I'm an AFC West head. Maybe I'm just looking at it wrong. I mean, yeah, I think that the Raiders are the more interesting team to kind of analyze coming out of this. The Ravens, we're not quite sure how good they are. We know Lamar is is a, is a great talent, but I mean, I still don't think he's enough of a passing quarterback that he needs to be. The Raiders, though, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on there. I mean, firstly, just in terms um, the offense. I mean, yeah, Carr. It's interesting. There, there, there's kind of a change of strategy kind of halfway to this game. So Carr spent about the first three quarters just trying to basically aim nonstop at Darren Waller. I think it was like 18 targets or something ridiculous. And obviously that, that kind of lent itself into, into the Baltimore defense's hands a little bit, allowed them to kind of focus their problems. And, and players like Ruggs and Edwards didn't really perform. Um, Hunter Renfro was causing a lot of problems for the for the Ravens defense, and he looks like he might have a good year, but the, he wasn't really getting a target enough. And then in the fourth quarter, Carr finally decided to start targeting Ruggs and Edwards, and they started to make a lot of hay, a, a kind of a long pass to Ruggs. Edwards has a couple of big catches both in, in the fourth quarter and overtime. So it did kind of come together at the end. I mean, the, the end was a bit ridiculous. I mean, I think we almost need to spell out just how crazy this overtime was. The Raiders had the ball first. They'd gotten what they thought was the winning touchdown by a run into the end zone. They're the Like a party had broken out in the middle of the field. They were celebrating their win, and then it got pulled back to the half-yard line. And then they had a false start, which pulled them back to the six-yard line and carved through an interception. So you were thinking, here we go. Raiders have, have choked uh, again. Classic them. But then the defense manages to get a turnover and a fumble against the Ravens to get the ball back. They decide on a whim, on a second down, decide to go for a kick, but they can't get the kicker out in time, so they lose five yards because of delay a game, which means that the, the offense has to go back out. And then Carr just throws this ridiculous pass when everyone was expecting him to run, and the uh, camera was Jones went in uh, untouched. So Zay Jones, crazy all round. Who wouldn't put Zay Jones <laughs> winning the game? Um, so just one final thing, though, to note on the Ravens is their defense is quite interesting as well. Their front seven I was really impressed with. They really had a lot of success in pressurizing. They had a big fourth down stop near the end of the second quarter. Two turnovers on fumbles when it mattered. Max Crosby is especially quite good. I mean, they didn't win every battle because obviously Baltimore and Lamar, that run option is, is very impossible to stop. But they were definitely in the fight and they'll be a tough team to get past in terms of that. But their secondary looks really poor. They played very soft 
lots of space, lots of yards after the carry. There was one play in particular, like a 49-yard pass, where Sammy Watkins was ultimately being chased down the field by a lineman. Like, what the hell is a lineman doing 49 <laughs> yards down the field on a passing play? I mean, that just shows me that the scheming is all wrong. So there's a lot of stuff that they need to work on, but there's their pieces are there for the Ra- Raiders. I don't think they necessarily have the coaching to pull it all together, but they could be interesting, kind of fun to watch. They're an up-and-down momentum team, and I think it's going to be an interesting season to watch them. I still think they'll finish like 8 or no, eight and 9 or 9 and 8, but it'll be a, a kind of a fun roller coaster just getting there, I think. Yeah, and I think like when you look at the Ravens' offense, like it feels similar to the start of last season where... They're obviously trying to evolve this offense. They're obviously trying to make Lamar better in the pocket. And there were flashes of what you thought were a good play. Now, some of that might be due to the uh, you know relatively poor defense from the Raiders, um, like Sammy Watkins being let, let free. Uh, but you saw some involvement from Sammy Watkins and Marquise Brown and not just leaning on Mark Andrews, who, who was relatively quiet in this game. I think that's what you probably want to see, but you obviously want to see a win more than to see like uh, you know, offensive evolution. Um, and you did see many cases where when the play broke down, it still relied on Lamar Magic to kind of get them out of a hole. And Tyson Williams looked solid, like he, I think he had over uh, he had nearly 100 yards overall. Um, all purpose and he looks solid as a pass catcher and as a as a rusher but you know you're not getting someone like jk dobbins at the la- end of last year who looked like a genuine breakout candidate not even someone like gus edwards i think he could grow into that given all the reps he's going to get um, but he should be solid um latavius murray will probably get some decent work especially near the goal line he, he didn't really have many explosive plays but you can see that he can get yards in the tougher situations um so i think you know there's a lot of things coming together for the Ravens due to injuries very fast. Um, so, you know, the fact you still put up nearly 30 points means that they're not going to turn into like a bad offense or anything like that. But uh, at the point where they're trying to, you know, it, it almost feels like certainly like when Cam Newton was in Carolina, um, that situation where, you know, there are certain things he's so good at. It's always tempting to just lean on those and they're trying to do different things and trying to, you know, uh, diversify their offensive portfolio. Um, but, you know, when you come into a game like this, which admittedly they, they should have won, they dominated a lot of this game um, in terms of the scoreboard at least. Um, so it's certainly disappointing for them here. And then in AFC um, North, which, which there's not going to be that margin for, for error, um, this could end up being a costly loss. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether, you know, whether they end up doing what they did last season, which would kind of revert to type and just revert to the classic offense, or if they continue to try to push this experiment and how much rope they'll be able to get from that from Greg Roman before he's forced to just do what works and keep winning games. Yeah, and uh, finally in our kind of our big game this week, uh, Minnesota at Cincinnati. This is not one I was expecting to be putting into the high priority category. I'll tell you that much for nothing. Twenty-four to twenty-seven in overtime. Uh, Joe Burrow is back, and he's decided that he wants to win games. Uh, Two hundred sixty-one yards and touchdown. Pulls it through in overtime with a ballsy fourth down pass after Dalvin Cook fumbles the ball. Since he looked to be fairly handy in this, they blew a twenty-one to seven lead. Uh, they were kind of walking it earlier on. Uh, Mixon playing a good game over one hundred twenty-seven yards and touchdown. Chase had one hundred and one yards and a touchdown. Like quite balanced quite nice they were getting use of uh t higgins people like that as well like it was it was a very nice offense actually um more developed than i would have expected with the amount of rookies and them coming off injuries and stuff um 
Cousins, 351 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, still doing a lot of the check down passes. He had one or two nice passes, particularly to Thielen. But um, this was this was a very classic kind of Kirk Cousins Vikings game. Dalvin Cook did a lot. Uh, Cousins ate up some yards, particularly later on in the game, but never really looked like a proper kind of. Oh, this this is a leader. This is going to take them into the playoffs, kind of thing. Um, Cincinnati's defense should not have allowed them back into the game the amount that they did, uh, and it shouldn't have taken till overtime. Uh, but yeah, like it's an impressive performance from Cincy for me. I like the balance on offense. Uh, I still think it's a bit nondescript, and we don't really have a sense of identity yet. But it's early days for that. Minnesota look a little bit kind of like well we've got Dalvin Cook and he's great, and then we've got some wide receivers, but we don't know how to scheme to get our quarterback to throw something that's not a check down for the most part like i really don't understand what minnesota are trying to achieve here at the moment um good win for Cincy, bad loss for minnesota um yeah i i i, I was i wasn't blown away really yeah because i think when you, when you look at the score and you look what happened obviously i think if you look at like roster quality both these teams aren't really that far away from each other um, in terms of their trajectory, obviously Minnesota are much more of a veteran squad, so you're a bit more worried that this is kind of where they're going to peak probably, where Cincinnati has a lot more room to grow. But the contrast in vibe, for lack of a better term, is probably the big thing about these two teams. And in the case of Cincinnati, it's a much more fun, explosive, ballsy vibe, as we kind of talked about that fourth down pass, like choosing to pass it on fourth down to your like tight end um, on like fourth and short to win the game um, and set up the field goal, that is a ballsy move. And, you know, as much as, you know, you might be tempted to kind of go, well, Zach Taylor's learning, I think Zach Taylor's best skill is to be a blank slate and to simply reflect back what the best parts of his roster are, or at least that maybe is his best skill if he turns out to have a decent head coaching career, uh, which is still in the balance right now. And the fact is that his quarterback is Joe Burrow, who he has a lot of swag. He's got a lot of, let's just go out there, play the game, throw the ball. Let's forget about like, you know, being like, uh, like being conservative and stuff like that. Let's just try and win the game. Now, last year, they might've taken that a little bit too far, forcing him to pass like 40, 50 times a game. Game. Thankfully, we saw in this game that Joe Mixon was able to get some good success on the ground. Uh, I think some of the offensive line changes that they've made, like Riley Reef, have certainly helped them You know, get Mixon over 100 yards, give them a little bit of balance. But I think at heart, this is still a team that runs through Joe Burrow and runs through the style of football that he wants to play, which is a fun, dynamic, exciting, get the ball out. You know, Jamar Chase has been dropping the ball all preseason. Fuck that. Like, 50-yard bomb for the touchdown. <laughs> like, let's let's go and get the fans absolutely raving. Like, the fan... Obviously, we, we, we haven't really talked much, but all the fans are back now. It's full stadiums. The fans absolutely love it. And, you know, they see now a team which, because of its ownership and maybe because of their head coach, would very easily could lack an identity, does have an identity because of Joe Burrow. Like, the defense is... You know, very much a work in in, in progress, but like that. But then you contrast them in that the Minnesota, where you got Kirk Cousins as your uh, as your quarterback, you got like Mike Zimmer, who's very dour uh, as as your head coach, and that that's probably the best word for Minnesota right now. They're dour, like they they work. Like, they've got a plan that is probably functional enough to win around 500, maybe sneak into the playoffs. Um, they have Kirk Cousins. He can throw a decent ball and play action. Um, he's got Dalvin Cook. He can check down to if he's in any way panicked, if someone's within five like yards of him. Um, and that's enough to win probably enough games to be relevant at the end of the season. But, uh, you know, this is a, a team which... 
you know, you're just looking at where is the change, where's the excitement, the change, like the dynamicism going to come to come from outside of like Dalvin Cook just having to break things themselves. And you're kind of going, I don't really see it. And then the defense is really, you know, there's some good veterans there. They're not the worst defense in the league, but you know, it's not a defense that's going to scare anyone, particularly in the secondary. And overall, it's just it's just not a team that really gets you going. Where Cincinnati, maybe finally after all these years, Connor, of you hyping them up. Uh, you know, you see that spark there. You see Burrow looking good at coming off the injury. No issues there. You see Jamar Chase going. You see an actual run game and you go, okay, may- maybe it is time to like give them a little bit of credit and let's see if they can build on this momentum and, and actually have a bit of fun uh, throughout the rest of the 2021 season. Yeah, I don't have an awful lot to add to that other than how utterly disgusted I was that the Bengals managed to win the game with the field goal at the end, thereby denying the Vikings from wrapping up that crucial tie they're going to need if they want to get to 8-8-1. Eight, eight and one. <laughs> um, And I know, I know I'm not alone because the NFL highlight guy cut the kick from the video at the end. Yeah. So um, that in NFL highlight land, the game ended 24-24 as it should have done. So um, yeah, boo Bengals for, for ruining ruining that fun. Okay, we're going to start speeding up now on the games. Uh, Pittsburgh at Buffalo, 23-16. This was all Pittsburgh's defense. Uh, touchdown, two fumbles and three sacks. Uh, Watt did a lot of the damage. Big Ben looks old and not good. Like sub 200 yards, one touchdown. The run game did very little, uh, but... The defense just shut down Josh Allen and this offense. They got nothing going. They were leading ten to nothing at one point, and that was pure, purely out of just like just 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 uh, like it was it, it, it was just like watching someone just constantly punch a wall and then like getting a few little bits off it. Like Buffalo just didn't look to be up to anything really on offense at all. Uh, Pittsburgh didn't really look to be up to anything on offense either, but their defense won this. Uh, what are your thoughts on that one, Sean? Yeah, I mean, obviously the Bills are going to look at this as a game that got away. It's a home game against a team that they beat last season. They're trying to establish themselves as the best, as kind of overcoming the Chiefs and become the best team in the AFC. And you kind of got to win games like this if you want to prove that what you are. I think what comes to mind is the idea of champions mentality, that the Chiefs won a game that they should have lost, whereas the Bills end up losing a game that they should have won. They, they looked comfortable. Their, their offense was a bit too pass-heavy, I agree. They really couldn't get the run game going. But they were in control, and their defense was quite dominant, especially in the first half. And then they just kind of let it slip away from them. They allowed mm. the Pittsburgh kind of young offensive line to kind of get into it as the game progressed. They allowed Pittsburgh second-half adjustments to kind of stifle them a bit. They allowed the Pittsburgh defense to kind of take things, take things over. They allowed players like Claypool and Najee Harris, who hadn't really been in the game, to kind of come into it in the latter stages and kind of make some big plays uh, and then they kind of they screwed up a, a punt uh, the block punt ends up kind of being the decisive score in the end that touchdown off the block punt ends yeah. up being the difference between the two teams in the end so for the bills i mean this is a game that if you wanted to say we are if you want to make a statement we are in it to, to win it this year you kind of need to win these games and it worries me that they didn't it worries me that they didn't have the answers when the the steelers reacted to them um and that they didn't they didn't know how to win this game, whereas teams like Chiefs would do. For the Steelers, I agree, we don't really know much about them. I'm not convinced Ben has it anymore. The defense looks pretty good, particularly Cameron Hayward, but I don't think it's going to be enough in what is very tough AFC, and they might probably not even good enough for the AFC North, which is quite a tough division as well. Yeah, uh, Chargers of the Washington football team, 20 to 16. We mentioned the injury here. Uh, Herbert, 337 yards, such an interception. Uh, like the Chargers tried to do their classic 
blow the lead, have flags, drop balls, like make a balls of things, have fumbles, have touchbacks. Um, but they still managed to win it. Uh, they'll be very happy. I think. I don't think sneaking a three-point or four-point win over a backup quarterback is a cause for celebration, really. Um, Allen had 100 yards, Williams 82 and a touchdown. Washington were fine, but like... They just weren't able to get anything going. The running game was going okay. Heineke was fine, 122 yards and a touchdown. But, like, the defense was fine. It, it, it didn't didn't do as much as you'd kind of hope, given the youth and the and the skill that's on it. But, like, this it was not quite as exciting a game as we hoped it would be. I think the injury put a, a mar on that. And I do think, look, good job. You have to go in. You have to come out with the win. That's what you do to actually get into the postseason. But I wouldn't be writing home about this one if I'm a Chargers fan. Yes and no. Like obviously, that this game ended up being close. I think the Washington defense is pretty solid, um, but like what? Like the Chargers should have way more points than they had. They had multiple drives. Um, that uh, I think they had two drives that went into the red zone or near the red zone that ended up in field goals. They had one that went into the Charger, sorry, the Washington half, and the, that's the the pick that Herbert threw, which was like probably the one mistake he made there. And then they had that really weird touchback fumble where. Basically, simultaneously with Herbert throwing the ball, his hand gets smacked by the defensive player. They called it a fumble. They went through the end because players were just looking at the ball Mm -hmm. going, oh, that's a missed pass. And then turns into a touchback. And at that point, which was in the second half, you kind of go, oh, that's some classic charging right there. Oh, they're going to lose this game despite the fact that they have no right to lose it. Um, But I think Justin Herbert is genuinely um, so talented. He's so good. He's kind of in that... Uh, just behold Patrick Mahomes with the Dax and the Russell Wilsons and the Josh Allens of being a genuine, you know, QB who can drive his team forward, can win games. Just look, the passes he makes, the, the way he's able to create plays, he's really exciting right now. And that's enough in this game um, to, to get it done, despite like Mike Williams like dropping 15 passes or whatever like that. Uh, and just even though he came through in the clutch, thankfully. Um, and for Washington, like look, I think they're just a solid team. I think even with Fitzmagic, they weren't going to be a QB-driven team because it's overall roster that you're excited about. I think Antonio Gibson toting the rock as the RB1 looks solid. Um, I think they'll just have other games where they'll have a chance to kind of grind out wins and that they could have got here, um, and they should be fine. But uh, I think with Taylor Heineke, we'll have to see how good he is. But like as I said in the, in, in the injury section, um, I think based on what we saw here, there's no need to panic. It's just a matter of you know can he kind of up his game to kind of take this team and win them some of these tougher games against like teams like Chargers who looked overall solid. They just did some charging thankfully survived it let's see if they can go on and challenge the Chiefs just crossed the mind there now Ron Rivera is up there as their head coach maybe that's a landing spot for Cam Newton if they're looking for someone to step in Miami at New England 17-16 to 16. oh so close um, Miami shaded in the tense game where Harris had 117 yards in the ground and then fumbled it to allow Miami to come back into it Mac Jones looked pretty good in his debut 280 and a touchdown um, like Tua looks okay um, he had a better second half than the first half. He's bit 200 yards, such an interception. Um, yeah, this was there was a couple of splash plays here and there. Parker and Waddle looked good in particular at certain times. And like I said, Mac Jones looked pretty decent in his debut. But this was this was not a game that make you think either of these guys are contenders. Uh, Sean, you're a New England fan. I presume you're looking at this Mac Jones debut and think this is pretty good. It's a loss, but it's a it's, it's a close loss, and it's a loss that you know if you don't fumble it, it's probably a win. Um, like, how do you feel coming out of this? 
Yeah, it's it's one of those small mistakes make a difference kind of game where two teams are quite close to one another. Often it is the kind of the small, the little things that get done. And ultimately, both defenses kind of dominate this game, but it was the Dolphins who did just that little bit more on defense um, to win it. Obviously, from the Pats' perspective, we're more interested in seeing how this team is is looking this year, particularly how Mac Jones looking. I mean, a lot of a lot of love for Mac Jones from Pats fans afterwards. I mean, I wasn't. I wasn't blown away by it. I thought it was solid, if unspectacular. I thought it was quite a conservative approach coming from Belichick. He didn't really ask too much of Mac Jones. So we don't really know how good he is. I suppose it's the, when you compare him to the other rookie QBs who started this week, people like Lawrence uh, and um, uh, what the, I can't even remember the Zach name of the QB Zach, now. Zach, Zach Wilson. Wilson. Both of them kind of had error, error strewn, lots of interceptions, such like, whereas Jones didn't do that. So I suppose in that sense, it's promising. He's got maybe a bit more maturity, a bit more of a head in his shoulders. But I mean, it's, it's too early to tell. I mean, it's, yeah, I think both these teams are going to be quite similar in terms of their level. And it, it really depends how good the builds are. If the builds are looking not quite at the level that they are, either of these teams could be talking about maybe taking the, the divisional title um, or at least competing for wildcard spots. So, I mean, a defeat, but ultimately not one I'm coming away quite despondent from. I'm positive enough that they look a lot better than they did at the back end of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I'm not... Mac Jones, it's too early to tell, and I, I think the hype needs to be calmed down a little bit. We need to see what he does in in games where the leash is let off a little bit, uh, and we need to see Belichick being willing to let him off the leash, which I think he'll do kind of maybe later in the season, six or seven weeks down the line. Yeah, it makes sense. Arizona, Tennessee, this is a big surprise, 38-13. to 13. Uh, Kyler did the whole Sandlot football-style thing, 300 yards, five touchdowns and an interception, uh, and their defense really was, was, was the story here. Chandler Jones, like... What's it? The, the season record is what? Twenty-three sacks or twenty-four sacks? Mm. Uh, five sacks in this game, and there's an extra pay game. Pay that man his money, eh? <laughs> pay him. Pay <laughs> that man his money. Yeah, it absolutely destroyed the Tennessee Titans. Tannehill, two hundred yards, touchdown, interception, two fumbles. Um, like, yeah, look, they were behind. They kind of went away from Henry because they had to because they were so far behind. But also, Henry, like, it didn't look like their blocking scheme was getting up to much, and I don't know if that's to do with the Arizona defense or what it is but yeah this is going to have a huge knock-on effect because this is a Tennessee team that you know went out acquired Julio Jones and then did essentially fuck all with him uh and then you've got an Arizona look they they tried they scored 13 points okay they scored they'd score more than that if they just let Derrick Henry carry the ball 80 times for the game so I don't think they did much for a big acquisition. Arizona, on the other hand, looking great. Lots of value there. Getting good performances out of this old man defense they've put together. Um, do you think uh, this is just based on the skill or are you finally going to give something to Cliff Kingsbury, Ronan? I'm not, I'm not ready to quite eat crow, but uh, <laughs> I can hear the calls from the kitchen. <laughs> I don't like the sound of that. Uh, but like, look, like this was a really impressive performance from Arizona. I think this is one of those games that like really turned like early doors because uh, I think we know that Tennessee, if you take away Derrick Henry, are not quite the same team. I think Julio Jones, the early innings weren't very nice he dropped the number of balls which to be fair if it was another receiver you'd be like well whatever early yips but like it's julio jones we've seen some of the catches he can make um and you have to worry about the chemistry there with Tannehill after having no preseason preparation it's julio jones you expect it'll, it'll improve over the season but you want that to improve quick given where you are right now after this game uh, and for arizona look look i think the defense was very very impressive early there was a huge stop by jj watt um, early on to stop a touchdown from Derrick Henry. 
um, uh, and that was you know a huge turning point in this game. I feel in retrospect, um, and yeah, I think Kyler Murray. We know all the kind of crazy, stupid stuff he's capable of. He's probably like the most exciting quarterback in the league, uh, or at least like you know maybe just below Patrick Mahomes. Um, and he's just yeah, a ridiculous sandlot magician kind of Russell Wilson on on speed basically um so yeah I think for like in terms of like our preseason expectations this is a huge game where both these teams are now going in very opposite directions but uh yeah for Arizona we'll see because as we know the rest of that division isn't exactly a piece of cake so they'll they're gonna have to keep this up if they want to genuinely uh make us considered to be favourites in that division. No, of course. And uh, Green Bay at New Orleans, 3-38. It's great to see Aaron Rodgers come back off his MVP season and put up 38 <laughs> points on the... Oh, wait. Wait a second. That's not what happened at all. Wait, wait. Let me get me to LASIK, you know, to uh, see if I can improve my eyesight. So J- J- James Winston threw for 148 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, Rodgers, 133 yards and two interceptions as they just collapse. The defense does nothing. The offense does nothing. Kamara dominates early, but Green Bay just kept making mistakes and giving tiny short fields. Um, James looked pretty decent in this, but again, he wasn't actually required to do all that much to win. Uh, I don't know if this is just, you know, the keeping Rodgers pissed off thing would work because they did rework his contract in the offseason so he knows this is his last year and he doesn't have as much cause to be pissed off anymore. Maybe, like, they need to kidnap his his nephew or something. Although it's uh, he doesn't really care about. Doesn't his really family, care about his like family, he, does he? He's got, he's, he's got a fiance now, right? So kidnap her. Uh, or something. Yeah, but like. Yeah, we'll see. But know. yeah, three to thirty-eight. This was like talk about the surprise for Tennessee. This was a big surprise. Everyone was expecting very little out of this New Orleans team, and then to put up thirty-eight points and the Green Bay to just put up nothing. Uh, Sean, could you make any sense of it? I, I think there's kind of two two kind of clues to what happened here. I think we got to give credit to Sean Payton for kind of a, scheming it up well and his coaching staff for, for getting the game plan right. The defense was quite strong and was good at kind of targeting the Packers' weaknesses. The offense in particular, I thought they did a good job of kind of avoiding what we know Jameis' weaknesses to be, i.e. decision-making and long throws and anything that involves skill. Um, so kind of keeping it to runs and to short passes to use James's kind of mobility um, to get the score up and then only allowing the shackles off when the game was safe. It was noticeable that he wasn't kind of throwing very long um, until they, they were up by a few scores. So I think we can give we got to give credit for the Saints for kind of working out how to win this game. I think it went a lot better than they thought it would. Um, but certainly that they went into the game to win it. On the Packers side, I mean, I think it's important to note we have seen the Packers do this before. Last season, they had a couple of blowout defeats as well. And it is comes back to some days they're just not up for the fight. Some days when things are a little bit too hard, this team tends to, to kind of crawl in on itself. And I think we got a little bit of that as well. And I think a lot of it does have to do with Aaron Rodgers because last season, Aaron Rodgers was, was mad. This season, he's not even mad anymore. He's just disappointed. And I mean, if we're... We're going to be watching him moping on the sideline for for 17 games. It's going to be a very long season for Packers fans. I I think this team is on the edge of a cliff. If they don't start winning games soon, they could easily have the probably perhaps their worst season ever because Rodgers is not motivated, and when he's not motivated, this team is not going anywhere. And we've seen what because the Saints are not that good. I don't think the Saints no. their defense is quite good. I don't think they're they're actually that good a team for the. Packers to lose by 35 points to a team that isn't quite um, all that great, I think, is it's, it's it's a bad sign for the season ahead. And they've got to find a way to motivate this guy. to Because he's as much as he's the star quarterback, he's also the leader of that team. And they follow him. And they will follow him over the cliff if that's where he decides to go. 
Yeah. Uh, so now we're just going to swap on to speed round for the last couple of games. So I just want you, I'll go to you in order and just give me a line or two about how the game went. Jets at Carolina, 14 to 19, Ronan. Yeah, look, Darnold, he gets his revenge. Uh, he was okay, 300 yards, around nearly 300 yards touchdown. But look, CMC's back, nearly 200 yard, all-purpose yards, so no touchdowns. And the defense absolutely wrecked the Jets, especially early in this game. Six sacks and a pick. Look, Zach Wilson, he struggled early, but kind of grew into the game. 250 yards, two touchdowns, and interception. Um, but unfortunately, that kind of feels like a lot of times we've talked about Sam Darnold early in his career as well. But look, we won't quite make that uh, judgment quite yet. And he found Corey Davis, who seems to be the favourite there, nearly 100 yards in touchdown. Um, but I think, you know, the Jets side, there's obviously such a lack of talent. They need to give him more help. Um, and we hope that Zach Wilson doesn't get ruined in year one by having to carry a team that, that that's very heavy right now. Yeah, San Francisco at Detroit, 41 to 33. This was a one-sided game, and then it started getting close at the end, Sean. Yeah, very strange game. The, the Niners were quite dominant. Um, it's a couple of early season jitters, but they were they were seemed to be quite okay. They were three scores ahead at the two-minute warning of the fourth quarter, and yet they ended the game um, defending their own 20-yard line uh, against a possible uh, equalizing score. So, I mean, the, hopefully the Niners can put this off at just kind of turning off and not doing anything. Um, they're much better than this ends up. They're much more like a 38-17 or 38-whatever, 41-17 victory over the Lions in 41-33. On the other side, Goff actually didn't look too bad. I think he seamlessly slipped into that stat-padding role that, that the Lions QB has filled for so long. He's going to get a lot of yards and a lot um, of touchdowns this season chasing games. Um, other than that, defensively, there's nothing going on. They're so bad defensively, especially in the <laughs> secondary. They're going to give up 40 points every week, I think. So the Lions, I mean, this might be the closest they get to a victory, uh, which says a lot, awful lot about how bad they are this season. Yeah, Denver at the New York Giants, 27-13. to Denver pulled away early with a 70-yard Gordon touchdown. And Teddy looked fine, 264 and two touchdowns. Um, made a couple of mistakes, but hey, like that's what you're going to get with him. Von Miller had two sacks, and unfortunately the Giants just didn't have a response. Danny Dimes fumbled the ball only had one touchdown they didn't really know what to do Saquon wasn't getting anything done 26 yards uh, the defense looked okay but they were on the field so much and they were just doing so much with nothing happening on offense that they were never going to be able to pull it back so a very bad start to the year for the Giants if they hope to you know, see if this is their QB of the future and what they're going to put around him. For Denver it's a decent performance uh, fairly kind of like 5 out of 10 for almost everyone on the team, which, to be honest, is nearly what you'd, you'd take at this point. Uh, Seattle at Indianapolis, 28-16, to 16, Ronan? Yeah, Russia's cooking. It's it's going to work this time for an entire 17-game season. <laughs> but, uh, look, four touchdowns as, like, Lockett dominates the first half um, with one really nice catch, like, basically plucking it out from there with a circus catch. Uh, and uh, DK Metcalf came in the second half. So early signs for the Waldron, the new Waldron system is good. And he ran the ball, so it'll keep Pete Carroll happy as well as Carson got over 100 yards. Um, the Seattle D up and down as usual. They're not the best in the league, but they're fine. And look, Carson Wentz didn't look that bad. He had a fumble, but he had two touchdowns, 250 yards. Like he's definitely not the dynamic playmaker he was when he had that near M- that near MVP season, but he's still a he he looked better than expected. I think the worrying thing from them is that the rest of the team didn't look as good as expected. The defense a bit meh, the offense overall a bit meh. Uh, we'll kind of see if they can grow into this season, but uh, yeah, for for at least Wentz isn't an awful QB. Um, so there's just a bit of hope for Indianapolis going forward. 
Yeah, Jacksonville had the game on their schedule that said, well, look, at least they're going to get a nice, easy win out of the gate. Uh, 21 to 37, Sean, uh, the Texans took them down. God, are the Jags actually this bad that they get blown out by the fucking Houston Texans? Like, Jesus. And they have to play them again later this season, so I don't really know. This was just terrible from the Jags, both sides of the ball. Um, I mean, the big stories from them, I guess the only thing they really care about is how good Lawrence looks. He looked like a rookie, right? He had 300 yards, three touchdowns and three interceptions, and all of that was deserved. Some real flashes of talent, some very nice throws, but the interceptions were really bad, and he needs to improve his decision-making. It's also the first time he's ever lost a game of American football, which is kind of an insane thing to say. And he's, well, he's going to need to get used to it because this team is going to lose an awful lot of games this season. In terms of the Houston Texans, the question is, could this team of random veterans actually be okay? I mean, all of their team is like, oh yeah, that's what happened to that guy. I mean, Danny Amendola, Philip Lindsay, whoever, you know, it's just like <laughs> random veterans from the past who were, <laughs> it's, it's just like all of them are like, oh yeah, I heard of that. I remember that guy from two or three years ago when he was good. Um, I mean, no more than Tyrod Taylor is the ultimate example of that, having a, a great game. I'm not sure I'll go as far as to give him the Ty God moniker, but some lovely throws and lovely <laughs> runs. Um, he is there, you know, he's more Deshaun Watson than Deshaun Watson was in this game. But I don't know. I mean, it's so hard to tell if this is just because the Jags are just the worst team I've ever seen um, or if Texans are actually not as terrible as anyone thought. But I, I fear for the Jags and I'm kind of interested to see where the Texans go from this point onwards. Yeah. Philadelphia at Atlanta, 32-6. to uh, Jalen Hurts started real well, 326 yards and a touchdown. He working with the rookies, Smith and Gainwell. Like the the big thing out of this really is that Atlanta just looked completely lost. Um they weren't running it particularly well. Matt Riot had hundred and sixty four yards. The defense got him what three times with sacks and all kind of stuff. They were letting flags go. And then all this was meant to be, you know, well, we're going to run this through our new superstar Pitts and Ridley. Ridley had a couple of nice catches. Pitts had one or two nice catches, but like nothing that would explain like this is the new direction it feels like they've already given up on this year uh and are just kind of like just going to see it out uh until the rebuild next year but like there's players on this team that don't want that so i don't know what they're going to do hopefully they can turn something around because they're going to be a fucking difficult watch otherwise um finally sean chicago at the rams 14 to 34 yeah the the bears sent for the sacrificial lamb to, to inaugurate this new Rams season. I mean, the scoreline, I think, is a little bit harsh on the Bears. It wasn't that comfortable for the Rams. They started off quite well, then they kind of puttered along for a while, and then they finished strongly to kind of pull away at the end. I mean, the Rams, at Stafford, obviously, now finally playing with a good team, looked like the quarterback we've always kind of known he was. Uh, lots of kind of good decisions and then a, a couple of long bombs. Ultimately, the long bombs are kind of the, the difference between these, these two teams, kind of two long touchdowns that kind of gave the Rams the, the win they needed. They do need to show they can do the grinding bit as well. Obviously, quite difficult without Cam Akers. The run game didn't really get going um, at all. But I don't think the Rams are the finished article based on this. I think they're going to win a, a lot of games against bad teams, but I don't know if they're going to beat that many good teams. And the division they're in is quite tough. So I'm kind of cooled a little bit on the Rams, having actually seen them in the flesh. In terms of the Bears, I mean, they were a little bit better than I thought they would be. Uh, I think Montgomery had a very good uh, uh, very good game, uh, over 100 yards. He, I think him and Robinson are just much too good for this team, and they got to be talking to their agents about how the hell they get off this team, because this team is really going um, nowhere. 
I mean, for the Bears fans, the only thing they really care about is when Justin Fields gets to play. He was used a little bit in this game. He ran in one of the, the touchdowns. You kind of feel the entire team is in a holding pattern until he becomes the starter. Uh, but yeah, they did better than I thought they would, but they were never, they, they were competitive without ever really challenging the Rams, whereas the Rams were kind of comfortable without ever really being impressive. So I kind of come away, got a little bit disappointed with both teams in this one. Yeah, fair enough. And with that, we'll move on and have a look at the games for next week. Okay, Thursday night football. We've got the Giants at the Washington football team. Uh, this is not going to be enjoyable. We've gone for Washington across the board, Sean. Yeah, so, so begins the, the horrible NFC East primetime games. <laughs> this is the first of many we're going to get this season. Um, the Giants are absolutely terrible. They they We thought they were terrible coming into the season. They look absolutely terrible in week one. Danny Dimes is still the exact same quarterback he was last season. Washington don't. I mean, they lost Fitzmagic, so that'll hurt. But I think Heineke is actually decent enough. So I think they'll be comfortable. Also, their defense is going to squash the Giants into the ground. So I would imagine Washington be quite comfortable. And if they don't, if the Washington don't win this game, then yeah, start putting your money on the Cowboys to win the NFC East because... Honestly, th- this division is so poor that Washington should be comfortable victors in this one. Yeah, uh, New Orleans and Carolina. Me and Fitz have gone for New Orleans and Sean's gone for Carolina. Look, I, I was very impressed with what John Payton did with the team last week. I'm intrigued to see if it will be able to hold up against Carolina, who I think will be a more difficult team. I can't see Christian McCaffrey, you know, coughing up the ball five times or whatever to give them a similar short field scenario. Um, so I'm, I'm intrigued, but I also don't massively think the Carolina team is all that strong. I think McCaffrey is great in its own, but I, I, I'd be intrigued to see what it'll do against, say, a Sean Payton-led defense rather than the Jets. I just think that the, the Panthers are a very well-coached team, and I'm excited to see where they're going. And I think Sam Darnold is coming in out of his shell a little bit. I think I think he's in a, in a happier place now that he's away from, from the Jets. Um, and I think it'll be a clue. I think the Panthers might be able to eat this one out um, to start off what could be a quite impressive season for them. Cool. Denver at Jacksonville is up next. We've got Denver across the board. Look, Jacksonville are currently top of the, like, absolute dumpster fire rankings until they prove otherwise. Denver, as I said, were a solid five and a half out of ten, maybe. Uh, and that's enough to beat Jacksonville uh, with one hand tied behind their back until Jackson will do something else. Although that said, it's a young team. Maybe they realise what they did wrong in game planning and they turn something around. It's the kind of team that could turn around quickly, but I just don't really see it. So Denver really across the board for us. Um, next up, Vegas at Pittsburgh. Um, we've gone Pittsburgh across the board. I'm guessing, Fitz, this is just because of uh, defence. Yeah, like I think this should be uh, an interesting game. Obviously, both had a very uh, intriguing week one. Obviously, Pittsburgh pulling out a defense against an AFC favorite, um, using their defense, getting a nice special teams touchdown. But, of course, we have major question marks over how good this uh, offense is. They should have a, a lighter test against the Raiders' defense, which I don't think anyone thinks is going to blow anyone away, who, who did give up nearly 30 points against the Ravens. So we'll see if they can get Claypool and Harris and those guys involved. And I think, you know, they used Harris a lot against the Buffalo Bills, but I think the Buffalo Bills actually have a sneakily good defense. So um, and on the Vegas side, obviously, we saw some explosive defense exploiting a banged-up secondary. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they can build on that and kind of put together another explosive outing. We saw 
on occasion last year that they can be an explosive offense. You know, when they beat the Chiefs, for example, we saw that in week one, but they never are able to put it together consistently. If they can get a win in this game on the road against Pittsburgh um, and put up some decent defensive production against one of the better defenses, then maybe we could take this a little bit more seriously. But uh, I think for now, we'll, we'll err on the side of the good coaching and the team with the, with the prestige and pick the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, it seems seems fair to me. Uh, Rams at Indianapolis. Uh, we've gone for the Rams here. To be honest, the Rams looked almost every inch of what we expected them to look like. Yeah, this kind of feels like it will probably be a rerun of the, the Seahawks game against Indianapolis. Like, Indianapolis are a... I don't think they're a terrible team. I don't think Carson Wentz is as bad as it could possibly be, but they're a team that they had such a disrupted preseason, they're still going to have to take some time to grow into grow into this season and I think the Rams are coming off a nice um, you know uh, prime time victory I think they can put up enough points to kind of make sure that Wentz can't really get them into this this is a game that I, I think in theory we should be more interested in should be higher priority these teams should be better but uh, right now I just feel like the Rams could be able to blast this and get an easy enough win yeah Sean next up's your pick of the week uh, it's Buffalo at Miami uh, we've both gone for Buffalo but you are on this Miami train well, it's more that I think I'm kind of off the Buffalo train for a little while. I mean, I think the defeat against the Steelers uh, last week was it was worrying for me in terms of I think the Bills are in a very strange place now and that there's expectation around them, which there hasn't been obviously for about 30 years. And that pressure, they're coming into this game off a, a home defeat that they shouldn't have had against a divisional rival. I guess the first the team is going to probably be their biggest divisional rival this season on the road against a team that has kind of proven it can grind out wins when necessary and has does have an oppressive defense. So I think this will be a tougher game than it might look on paper for the Bills. And I do actually expect that the, the Dolphins will eke this one out and put the Bills into a little bit of a crisis. I kind of, I mean, I don't really know what, because I, I want, obviously, want the Pats to win this division, so I don't really know what I actually want. Do I want, I want these teams to tie, I guess. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, I yeah I, I I suspect that the Bills are going to have to kind of deep reach within themselves if they want to pull out the kind of season they pulled off last season because they just did not look at the level that I thought they would be and maybe that's just week one and maybe in a few weeks I'll be like oh they're still as good as last season but maybe this is the sign of, of a team that is not quite at the level we thought they were. Yeah, like I I I'd be expecting a turnaround from them. Uh, that's why I'd be picking them in this that like. I, I also I'm not I'm not completely convinced of this Miami stuff yet. Uh, but yeah, we'll especially see. We'll Tua, see. Tua yeah. just looked a bit off. I don't know, I, like this guy that the the tank for Tua thing, and you got a guy who looks like his ordinary arm talent doesn't seem to have a great feel for the game. I know there's injury and stuff like that, but uh, look, I think you know uh, Pittsburgh's defense is one thing. Miami obviously have a good defense, but I think I think it's a different level, and Josh Allen can get back on track in this game. Let's see. Houston and Cleveland's up next. We've got Cleveland across the board. Yeah, look, they were high-quality team. They came very close with the Chiefs there. Houston, I don't really know what to make of them, as we said. Like, just a bunch of old dudes having some fun. Um, we'll see what happens. But uh, Cleveland should have the quality on both sides of the ball to, to, to see that one out. So I can't imagine that that causes too much of an issue for them. Um, Cincinnati at Chicago's up next. We've gone for Cincinnati across the board, Sean. Yeah, I, I, I mean, we all kind of like Cincinnati. We all kind of want them to do well. The, the Burroughs chase thing looks quite good. They look like a team on the up. Chicago distinctly look like a team without a plan that are just waiting around for their own superstar quarterback to, to finally take the field. 
Um, it could be close because the Bears have a decent defense, but I, I think mm. Cincy will ride the momentum and, and go to 2-0, and and suddenly team people will start to think about them as uh, as an interesting team um, going forward. Um, so that's why, that's why I kind of edged them out uh, in this game, which would be a big win for them. I think it's important to note a kind of a, a road win against a, a pretty kind of average team would be a big win for the Bengals, but I think they yeah. can do it. Those would be screaming that two 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 wins. They'd be uh, at least tied for first in the AFC North at that point. Um, San Francisco at Philadelphia. We've gone for San Francisco across the board. This is an interesting enough matchup as I don't think we learned as much about these two teams on their matchups last week. I think this will be an interesting one to see where they're going to sit in the pecking order of the NFC, right? Philly, we're hoping, are going to be the challenge within the NFC East to the Dallas team, San Fran. They've, like, there's a lot going on there. They've got injuries, but they're getting great great production out of the run game. But are they actually that good? I don't know. Uh, so I am quite intrigued because I think this will give us a much better handle on these two teams. Yeah, I think that, that's basically why this is a game of interest is because we're, we're looking at two teams that coming out of the first week, we're kind of going, oh, are Philly actually good? And then with the 49ers, are, like, are the 49ers... Uh, as good as we think or expected or you know especially given the way the game went and the injuries yeah so this is just a game that that should be intriguing to see kind of where these two teams are like did, did philly just beat up on a terrible atlanta team did san francisco like beat up on a detroit team just like you know gave up for a little bit um yeah so it should yeah i don't know where this will go but exactly yeah <laughs> our preseason expectations will probably give them the the favor here yeah uh new england at the jets we've got new england across the board um yeah look the jets did not look very good new england looked competent uh they've got some nice pieces back and this is the type of one where we might get to see matt jones let off a little bit more because the jets do not have a huge amount of talent at the defensive positions and they've just lost i think their safety for the season as well so like there should be there should be scope to do a little bit more through the air on this game um so yeah hopefully we've got new england across the board for that one uh ronan you've taken dallas at the chargers for your game of the week and it would appear that i'm the only one who's not bought in fully on the chargers i've gone for dallas and you two have gone for the chargers i don't think you can ever fully buy in on the chargers that's just a, a fool's <laughs> errand like you're gonna lose a lot of money going all in the Chargers. but look justin herbert is really really good at football like uh you know i'm already putting patrick mahomes level yet not quite but he's one of the few quarterbacks who could be at that level um, and he uh, looked really good in week one. He had that one mistake with the, the interception, but he carried a team despite, you know, Chargers doing Charger things. Um, and the defense had some pretty, you know, interesting big plays. Like they have Bosa, they have Derwin James back. In theory, this defense could be interesting, uh, if not quite like excellent. Um, and then on the other side, you have Dallas, Dak Prescott. Looks like he, he's fine, he's back. Um, he's willing to throw out and they, they have put up uh, nearly 30 points against one of the better defenses in the league in Tampa Bay. So everything here points towards a, you know, quarterback duel between two of the best, um, you know, young to youngish quarterbacks in the league who are more than willing to sling it, go for the explosive play. Both have good running backs who could potentially make a lot of impact in Eckler and Elliott. Um, they both have defenses that could intrigue. I think in Dallas, you know, we still need to see something from them, but, you know, with Dan Quinn, maybe they can put something together. Um, and so on paper for me, the Chargers are a better team, but they are the Chargers, so you never know what could happen. But I think the main thing here is we're looking at a, team, uh, a game that we've both seen that both of them can score against good defenses. They have two great QBs. It should be a really exciting matchup and see what comes out of this. 
Yeah, no, big time. Definitely should be a, an exciting one to kind of anchor that late game slate. Minnesota at Arizona is up next. We've gone for Arizona across the board. Like, Arizona looked very good last week, and their defense looked very good. Let's see what they can do against this Minnesota team. This Minnesota team, they need to show us something because the performance against the Bengals wasn't anything to write home about. You'd worry about them just falling off because, like we said, they've got a lot of talented players, but they don't seem to have a vision of what they want their team to look like. They will show something. It'll show being the Vikings, which is uh, Davin Cook exists. <laughs> Kirk Cousins will throw it well and play action terribly if he's under any pressure. The defense will be fine. Um, if Arizona are like what they were this week, um, then, of course, it's going to be a blowout. But, uh, look, Minnesota are a solid team. I would never count them out. But, uh, yeah, like you're not, if you're expecting some kind of revolution in Minnesota, I don't think that's coming this week. It's a, it's a good test for the Cardinals, though, because the Vikings are, are the mean, basically. So we get to see how good these Cardinals actually yeah. are by, by playing a, a boring, mediocre team. That's true. Atlanta, Tampa Bay. Uh, <laughs> tough. Um, is, there, is, there, is there anything to be said move for on, Atlanta? Move on, move on. Move on. Tom, Tom Brady just pounding Atlanta town. Uh, Next, yeah, yeah we're, we're just going to move on. Next up, Tennessee at Seattle. My pick of the week. Uh, I think this should be fun. Me and Sean have gone for Seattle. Fitz has gone for Tennessee and his weird balancing his expectations so he's always either either his team wins or he goes up a point in the uh, in the pick him so far enough um look i think this should be exciting tennessee need to get kind of back to what they want to do i imagine they're gonna have their asses kicked this week and they'll be coming in here wanting to prove a point seattle looked very good last week let's see if they can, can keep up this kind of let russ cook exciting stuff because their offense was quite exciting their defense is weaker than it, sh- than, it, than it has been in previous years so tennessee could if they can get it going start to establish the run and have a bit of fun i could expect a really fun back and forth in this game to be honest and i'd expect them to maybe to see a good bit more of kind of using the u- u- using the wide receivers further downfield against this tennessee secondary as well yeah, like uh, you're right. I, I probably should pick Seattle here, but uh, yeah, I'm kind of like I, I'm kind of like Tennessee are one of those teams that they a bit like Green Bay last year. They do have some games where they just fall off a cliff because of the Derrick Henry problem. Where if they can't they don't have a game script that's amenable to Derrick Henry, they can look like a much worse team. Um, mm. That happened rare last year. They still had like they still tended to be okay with Ryan Daniel running the show and come and some of their comebacks. But uh, yeah, just a really disappointing week one for them. Um, so they're going to hope to get back on script, get Derrick Henry going early, and hopefully get AJ Brown involved more. And hopefully, hopefully Julio gets over his drop problems that he had la- last week, and they can kind of show what this potential defense is. I think for them, the big question is if their defense can actually do anything, um, because we saw Seattle against Indianapolis um, absolutely, you know, torch them using that combination of the Waldron stuff having a good mix of kind of the shorter stuff, the fly sweeps, with the lovely rainbow balls that we expect from Russell Wilson. If their defense is as bad as it was last week, then Seattle could run away with this game. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Seattle's defense itself, I'm still not totally convinced of them. So yeah. there is a chance there that Tennessee can grind this game out themselves. So yeah, I'm not willing to kind of go all in and say Tennessee are, are, are a bust this season and Seattle are great. Um, so I, I definitely give Tennessee a reasonable shot here, even in um, Lubin Field in Seattle where the you know, with the fans back, it should be an impressive uh, tidal wave of noise coming at them. Yeah, it is. It is. It is worth noting for fans, particularly newer fans of the sport, that uh, you, 
you tend to make a terrible decision if you overread into week one results. Last year, the Jacksonville Jaguars won in week one and then proceeded to not win any more games for the year. So don't overstress if your team doesn't look fantastic out of the gate. But also, don't start tooting your own horn just because your team wins one out of the gate either. Um, Sunday Night Football, Kansas City at Baltimore. We've got for KC across the board. Um, this will be an interesting one. In theory, KC should be able to take this, but... It is at Baltimore, so it's a bit of a travel. Baltimore are going to be kind of a bit of a kick up the arse. They're going to have an extra week to try and bring in some more backs to work in that system. But at the moment, look, based on how they played against the Raiders, I wouldn't be able to see Baltimore take it to KC the way that even previous years have. And even at that previous years, Baltimore with Jackson have yet to get a win over KC at home or away. Um, but I wouldn't discount them because of the fact that I think they're going to come out with a very different looking offense and defensive game plan than what we saw against the Raiders. Yeah, you, I do get the sense that the Ravens are a bit intimidated by the Chiefs. They do kind of have, have a hang up about them. Um, obviously, yeah, the, the Ravens didn't quite look all that fantastic uh, on Monday night, but Lamar is a talent that cannot be contained, and when he gets going, it can be difficult to stop them. The KC's run defense could be in trouble if they don't figure out how to deal with him quite quickly. Mm -hmm. But the, the only thing that'll happen then is that you've got a shootout, and the problem with taking on the Chiefs in a shootout is that they, you will lose because the other side is Mahomes and Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. I mean, they yeah, the, the offense looks at the same level that it did last season, which is worrying for everyone because they were at a phenomenal level last season. So... Even if the Ravens make some hay against a slightly weak Chiefs defense, they're still not going to score enough points, I think, to beat the, to beat the Chiefs ultimately. Especially on prime time. I mean, Mahomes <laughs> loves prime time. He loves showing off. He loves showing off. <laughs> we'll get we'll get the we'll get the behind the back no look pass this time. Yeah. Yeah. No Marcus Peters to pick on though. So. Uh... He's got to win it. Just win it like by passing to the best opportunity, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Um, and then finally, Monday Night Football, Detroit at Green Bay. Who would have thought going into this that we could be talking about this as being like the really bad kind of like cripple fight of the week? Like yeah. Green, Green Bay put up three points. Detroit, we'd be amazed if they lose a game by less than 20 at this point. And they come in here and they get a prime time slot to show us it. Yeah, so like, like, look, I, th I think given what we've seen over the last two years, I think we're willing to give Green Bay the benefit of the doubt. Um, maybe Detroit, that last like two to three minutes of the game is what they're really going to be and they're going to explode into this. But I think given what we've seen, given the form, given the disparity in talent, I think you, you would have to be foolish not to pick the Green Bay can get back off the mat and, and you know, make us forget week one uh, and then Roger can get uh, back to being happy, even though he needs to get a haircut. <laughs> if the Packers can't win this game, they yeah, it's just over. Just if you're a Packers fan and they don't win this game, just stop watching until next September when you have a new QB and your team is together because this is they have to win this one surely. The, the Lions are so bad. Even though I mean I know they only lost by eight points, or whatever, but they're so bad. Their defense is appalling. They're going to get absolutely crushed if Rodgers turns up at like fifty percent um, of his best. Um, I would I would hope. <laughs> yeah. If he doesn't, no. then they're in trouble. That's it. you got to expect that that's going to turn around now. Um, so, yeah, that'll do us for week one, I suppose. Any plans for the weekend yourselves, lads? Uh, don't know. With the weekend, the, the Champions League is back in, in soccer, so i got a couple of midweek games to watch. Oh, very nice. Um, should be good. Yeah, yeah. Got get to get to get to watch the best of Europe play each other in a non-exclusive 
uh, format, which is, which is better <laughs> than the uh, rotation of watching Barcelona, Real Madrid and Juventus play each other every week, which is what, what we were looking at before uh, it all went well. So, yeah. Um, having yeah, I apart from that, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, the problem with COVID <laughs> is it's just destroyed my social life, and now I have never no plans ever, so I don't expect to have any plans. So yeah, it's kind of weird like that. Yeah. The chicken and egg. Now you're never going to be able to get it back. <laughs> yeah, don't think we get much. My wife is doing a half marathon on Saturday, and then her <laughs> sister's coming up because her sister's going away out abroad to uh, sunny Scotland uh, for a year for her, like Erasmus year in college. So uh, we're seeing them for a a nice bite to eat in town. So that'll be good. But yeah, other than that, nothing too too wild or crazy. Watch a bit of football, read some books, have some fun. What about you, Fitz? Anything fun or are you just flat to the mat with work for the next two weeks? Yeah, yeah, work will probably dominate the the rest of this month. But uh, looking forward to next month, looking forward to going over to London. Got a few other things I'm going to as well. So, yeah, uh, September, no play, but October, looking forward to that. So, So very green day of you. Wake you up in September. Yeah, wake you up in September. There you go. (laughs) Excellent, excellent. Uh, Now, if we can only acquire the rights, we'll just make that the outro song for this week. (laughs) Uh, I suppose that'll do us for now. So it's a bye for myself, bye from Roland. Bye. Bye from Sean. Bye. It's been all four quarters. Thanks for listening. We'll chat to you next week.